All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 124. I am Bag Milk here in Tundra season in Edmonton, Alberta. It is very, very, very cold outside. Not a whole lot to do this weekend, so you're better off just to sit inside and listen to our podcast. As always, I'm joined by Rick, Nation, Dan, and Tyler Remchuk. But first, I want to start with a shout-out to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. By the way, Sherwood Ford, I saw that mock-up you made of an Oilers Nation Bronco. I saw that them. There. I thought that was us. If that was, if that was us, that's a hint for Sherwood Ford. It wasn't me who did it. <laughs> thought we were trying Mr. to play Dan, I don't deep. know who did it. So... All I know is that there's a nation Bronco image out there in the universe. And I just feel like that needs to be parked in my driveway. That doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> until then go follow Sherwood Ford on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. It's weeks like t- this week or the last two weeks now, I guess where wintering winterizing your vehicle is so important, whether it's some battery issues, maybe you need a new battery for your whip. Maybe you need some new tires, oil change, what have you. Our friends at Sherwood Ford are here to help as we do every week when we kick off the podcast we like to start things off with our short forward giant question of the week mr yaramchuk yes if you will please Oh, you want the giant question now? The Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Brought to you by Sherwood Ford. Uh, the Oilers, three wins in the last seven days. And uh, I want to look back at, looking back at those three wins, the giant question is this. What's been the most important part of them? Has it been the resurgence of Mike Smith and the goaltending? Miko Koskinen had a good game as well. Or has it been the depth scoring? Which one is most important? Who wants to get us started, boys? I'll start it off. I feel like I've been on the goalie guild uh, front for the last couple of weeks. 
but uh, but for me, it's been the goaltending. The between between Miko Koskinen having to having to go, you know, twelve out of thirteen of our first games, uh, and then Mike Smith coming up big in in a in the couple of games where uh, where the team, you know, had had some defensive gaffes and those slip ups that they've been having. Um, Smith has been able to cover up for those, whereas Miko's had some problems with you know breakaways that we give up and that kind of thing, but. But for me, you know, especially in these last two games, we, we didn't, we got pushed around by an Ottawa team. That's not very good in that second game. And, and Miko was able to stand up tall and, and hold that one. Did I just hear a, the old, the old internet dial up sound? I thought I did. I think someone got a text. Okay. Um, that threw me off, but uh, yeah. And then, and then Smith last night, you know, just absolutely stellar shut down the shut down the Canadians. And that was a whole team effort as well. But, but for me, it's been the goaltending for sure. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, for like, it is an absolute toss-up because I mean, for the last three games, they really haven't gotten much from Drysaddle and McDavid, but they've been finding a way to win games. And if you're not going to have your two best players going, then you're going to need more than just one factor to come through to help you win. But for me, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's the goaltending because you know, a couple goals from the bottom six or some some offense from the D men is great. But at the end of the day, if the goaltending wasn't there for these games. We're talking about 4-3 losses, 5-4 losses, 2-1 losses, things like that. So the goaltending's absolutely been important. And Mike Smith has been great. I've loved what I've seen from him. And hopefully this sparks Miko Koskinen as well. And the goaltending gets back to where it was kind of a year ago today, when last January, February, when those two were both kind of rolling. And when one guy slipped up, the other guy just stepped right back into the crease and picked things up. So I'm going to go ahead and say the goaltending's been the most important part. Rick, Oilers have six wins in their last seven games. What's the biggest reason behind it? Going off the board, it's uh, it's an overall team defense in our defensive zone right now. Um, if you saw last night, Montreal didn't have any any real chances. Everything they had was, you know, pushed to the outside. They weren't getting a whole lot of rebounds. Uh, I think the this has really been something that, con- that the team has concentrated on for the last couple of games now, and I think it's starting to really come together. And it's it helps improve the defense. Uh, it helps move the puck up the ice. So I think it's just the, it's the overall defense. Uh, to me, that's really been the most important part. I think that depth scoring and goaltending, I, I don't know how you separate the two. So I, I don't know how I can pick one or the other. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I look at a game like last night against Montreal. Mike Smith, shutout, obviously perfection from the goaltending. But – it got started with a huge goal from Jujar Kara, which since he's been reinserted back into the lineup, the guy has got five points in his last five games, two goals, three assists. I don't know how you can discount either one and not just be, and not just kind of agree that it's a tandem or a combination of both things. Because like Tyler said, right now, Connor and Leon have have kind of slowed off the pace that they started with, which was completely understandable because they were just, absolutely supernova but it's been really nice to see guys like Kara, Archibald, uh, you know Neil got some, Daryl's on fire, Barry's getting some goals. I think that everybody is lifting up the scoring and then the goaltending is providing the backstop the foundation to make it all happen. I just I don't know how you separate the two. I don't know if it's necessarily fair that you can pick one or the other because last night again going against that game against Montreal Mike Smith makes a huge breakaway save. If that doesn't happen, who knows where the game goes from there? You know what I mean? 
And yep. I think that you, without the big save, maybe that doesn't get uh, the Jujar's line, which by the way, we're going to talk about that in a second. That line has been great. Maybe that doesn't get that line out there as much. And maybe Dave Tippett's forced to lean on Connor and Leon a little bit. So I think that it's a combination of both. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer here in the show before giant question of the week, but I just don't know how you separate. I think that's fair though. Like it is tough to kind of separate two things that have both been so important at a, at a stretch when, you know, kind of your star players are stumbling a bit. And this is perfect too. Like we've talked before in the podcast about the whole like death by a thousand cuts thing that was going on. And I said, if one of these areas can sort of improve themselves here, they're, the wins are going to come. And if they get improvements from two or three areas, then we're going to see a pretty long streak. And I think we're starting to see improvements from two or three areas here. Well, well that's the interesting thing. thing sorry, Dan, one sec. The, the yeah. interesting thing too, for me is that Oilers fans are funny, right? Because four of these six wins came against Ottawa. So people discounted a lot of things that they did, you know, which, you know, there, there could be something to it, but to me, I still think points are points and they beat a team they had to beat no matter how that went. However, two of those wins were against Toronto and Montreal who are leading the division. And I don't, think it's fair to the Oilers, the goaltending, the depth guys, or anybody that's playing well right now that you can just discount four of those wins because they came from a bottom feeding team and not appreciate two that came against two very good clubs in this division. Well, and that's also to a, a point as well, Bag Milk, that Ottawa beat Montreal in between between losing to us four times. So it's not like they're, you know, they're not a slouch team. They, they do win games. It's just, they haven't won very many this year. Um, but I was just going to say too, like there was a lot made of the fact that uh, for the first time since 2017, the Oilers have won a game without Connor or Leon being on the score sheet. And people thought that was a real negative. And I just didn't think that's the case. I mean, it's unbelievable that Connor and Leon have put together 250 you know, some odd games where they've had a point, either of them have been on the score sheet. That's unreal. And then also, you know, that's, that's just 28 games where the offense wasn't firing, but you know, it is, it is a positive to say that, that the, the depth has been able to overcome that. Um, this team hopefully going forward is able to have a few more of these games where we can win without Connor and Leon getting on the score sheet. And last night was looking like that until the third period where, where Leon got his, uh, his assist, but yeah, it's 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 not a negative. These are these are all really good positives, and they're all really good things for us going forward as a team. That's that one thing just, that, one... that just shows what we all knew, though, is that back then we were a two a two player team. We were that, that's where our points generated from. The rest of we those guys are. barely are. Sorry, we still are to a certain extent. No, there's two amazing players. I know, but there's two. Games, they're, they're two of the best players in the league, and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you have that on your team. That's no, where this I'm team going. today, as opposed to the beginning of that streak, is a much different team. We got guys playing in the bottom six who are legit NHLers. Back then, we didn't have players in the bottom six who were legit NHL players. Yeah. Well, we you have know, the same have... players. They're just playing like legit NHLers now. No, like, you've, got like, you've got like a you've, you know, look at, you know, we didn't have Archibald before. Who did we oh, have before? Oh, you're talking about in years, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, some age. So, you know, it's just a progression of the team itself. So, yeah, it's like looking at all those um, versus records from, you know, the last 10, 15 years where we're always on the bottom end of it. Well, yeah, no kidding. We didn't have a great, a great team back then. But now this is a different thing. This, you know, that's from that's the, from the past. This year, we started off really slow. But that first Toronto game, I think I started to see things turn around. They started to play better in their, in their own zone. 
Didn't look great offensively that game. That's fine because they're really concentrating on the defense. And ever since that first game against Toronto, they've been moving in the right direction. All four wheels have been spinning and working together. And the last couple of games, you've seen it. When, you know, maybe the Connor and Leon weren't able to do exactly what they do, you know, at three points a game. But then the goaltending, the overall defense, and then some bottom line guys. And then you got some defensemen scoring. It's great. It's this is just the way a good team works. I agree with Rick, too, in the sense that I fucking hate those stats that go back years. Like a lot of the players on (laughs) a lot of the players on this team right now have nothing to do with that. And it's just like, it's like when that, I don't remember what the the record was. This is going back a year or two when the Oilers were, hadn't won a game in Minnesota in like 20 games or some bullshit like that. And they would ask Connor and Leon about it pregame. Just go, what do you think about this record that started, (laughs) you know, five years before you were even in the league? Like it doesn't mean anything. Well, it's the best when they ask us about the about the Eastern teams too. It's like, yeah, we play them fucking 12 times in that stretch, like get off of it. But it is, I mean, it's the tinge of the, the, the question, right? If you, if you pivot it the other way and it's like, how amazing is it that Connor McDavid is a point per game player and Leon Dreisaitl is a point per game player and they score points per game. Like, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's one of those things that is just cherry picked because we are Oilers fans and we are easy to uh, get upset and riled up about something like that. I think I every think fan base is when they're losing. <laughs> Oh, no doubt. I also, it's just funny just to, to tack on to Dan's point there. It's Connor and Leon score points more often than they don't. So <laughs> it's like, okay. 28 games. That's crazy. Okay. I guess, you know, the Oilers are going to lose some of those, but guess what? They also lost some games when both of those guys got points. So what the fuck's your point? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. It's just, it's weird. I, I get it. I get where these numbers come from sometimes like when i write gdbs on to take you behind the scenes for a sec when i write gdbs on weekends i get an email that's filled with team stats about runs about streaks about points and most of them are just like okay great so what like this has nothing to do with what's happening in 2021 but you know what what's most important is that the Oilers have six points or six wins in their last seven that's what matters they're in a playoff spot. They look like they're digging the earth. They're climbing their way out of the early hole. And for me, that's what I care about. I also care about the fact that I can't leave my house right now because it's freezing cold. And our friends at skipthedishes.ca do wonderful things and bring me food right to my house. Right to my house. Today, I'm feeling like, you know, maybe a ramen day. Maybe I'll find myself a nice ramen place. Get a little soup. Feels like soup season today. It's chilly out there. I just was doing some shoveling before the podcast, and I was not happy about it. However, not bad today. Like last couple of days now, have been yeah. brutal. Today, We're turning I was the court. Exactly. I was shoveling out there just an hour, but to go, and I was not horrible. I was out there two days ago, and the wind was blowing. My eyes were watering, and then instantly they started freezing closed, and can't see anything. So this this is not bad right now. I can I can handle this. We've got the Ottawa Senators of weather coming up in our schedule, so it's good. We're good. We'll I, come back here love that we're saying hey listen minus 20 is not that bad <laughs> oh man it's not that I, bad. Uh, I i'm we're doing the new dfo rundown with uh, frank saravalli and jason gregor and today i was chatting with frank well before we started recording and i was ex- he was fascinated with the idea of plugging in your car like i was explaining yeah. him how cold it is how you got to plug in your car and he was like so like when you go to the grocery store like is there like a plug in there like you just you, and i was like well no maybe not at all the grocery stores but like <laughs> at work yeah there's like a place to plug in your car and like you should plug it in if you want your vehicle to be good and all that it's hilarious they don't even they don't even sell vehicles with block heaters in them standard you have to pay extra for that my girlfriend's car incredible. my girlfriend got a new car a year ago it doesn't have a fucking block heater where'd she buy it 
at the at a dealership here in Edmonton. Sherwood Ford, Ford. Sure, like, not Sherwood Ford. Definitely Sherwood Ford would have put Sherwood block Ford. here in there for Exactly. Wow. I think our point here, gentlemen, is you leave your order car and order some food from Skip the Dishes. <laughs> They'll bring it right to your door for you. You don't even have to unplug the car. Leave that plugged in. Let those fluids stay nice and warm. That's what we need to do. Skip the Dishes, Sherwood Ford, both. They can help you here. Either a car or some food, whatever you want. But before we get back into the Oilers, we are going to welcome in a very special guest for the second time on Oilers Nation Radio. You know him. I guarantee you know him. I guarantee you love him. Yeah. I guarantee you love him. I guarantee that this guy probably has given you some of the greatest hockey memories of your life. You played 12 years in the NHL, eight years here at Edmonton, 490 games with the Oilers. Right after the break here, we are going to welcome George LaRock to talk a little bit of hockey, a little bit of Oilers, and a little bit of Battle Alberta. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Back on Oilers Nation Radio, and uh, as we do, we got a special guest this week to talk a little hockey, former Oiler George LaRock. This is exciting. We're happy to have you back on the pod. Thanks for having me again, guys. I First off, let's just start with this. For me, like being locked down because of COVID and all that, it is so much better when you can sit every night and just watch hockey. And all these Canadian matchups have been fantastic. Same for you. A lot easier to be locked in the house when you can watch hockey all night. Uh, I'm too hyperactive to stay locked in. <laughs> uh, even without COVID, I still watch pretty much every game. But uh, now I just that it feels like we're in prison now with everything. <laughs> so uh, I sympathize with everyone that has to deal with this tough situation. But at least we have a hockey season. You know what would have been worse is we're locked out at home and the season would be canceled. That would be uh, that would be much harder. George, yeah. what are you thinking about the Canadian division so far? Obviously, when you were playing, this wasn't a thing, but I, I think it's been a lot of fun to watch all these Canadian teams play each other over and over again. Well, you know, in the beginning, it, it, it was pretty interesting because uh, get the chance to for Montreal fans to see McDavid so many times and then so, much, so, so many other teams that you don't usually uh, see, especially the, because of the fact they're out west. But now the impression that, that we're getting here and, and, and from my side also is that we're kind of sick of playing the same teams too. <laughs> because, you know, it's like as exciting as it was in the beginning, you're always playing the same team. So, you know, and now you're like, oh, we wish we could test ourselves against Boston, against Tampa, you know, with all the other teams. So I think that it's a good thing that the season is a bit shorter because uh, – I'm telling you, man, after like in one or two months again, you guys, will, you, you'll see the game will be totally different because it'll be like, man, not again, not again. Like it, it's clearly not as exciting. Do you think for the players by a time, by the time it gets to the end of the season, that sort of feeling of like, I'm sick of playing the same guys over and over again. Could that lead? Do you think some pretty heated rivalries in the last month or so of the year when guys are just so sick of each other that there's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's drop the gloves. I'm sick of seeing you as many times as I have. No, hockey has changed way too much to, to ever see that. Guys now, they train together in the summer. They talk to each other in a warm-up. They talk to each other before they drop the puck. They train together. They like each other. They pat themselves in the back together. It's a friendly <laughs> league now, man, so I don't see that happening. There's all, it's only with Calgary now, with what happened with Kachuk and, uh, and Cassian, that there's a bit of a Valerie back. But, man, when you trade Luchik to the enemy Calgary, it shows you how the rivalry has gone because – 
whatever back in the days the others would trade Semenko to Calgary. No, we trade Lucic, which is the one of the toughest guys in the league with Reeves, the only two guys left to Calgary. Why? Because there's no more revival. There's no more fighting. There's no more physicality. It's speed. The game is about speed, which is fine. It's good. But that's why the battles is not the same thing as it used to be uh, before. Well, so George, as you, you say that, but you know, there's there's two brothers in the Canadian division that have been able to uh, rile up the fans. That's for sure. Uh, you know, you see a guy, you see the Kachucks. You played against their dad. You know, do you think those guys are good for hockey, or is this or is this going to just be more of that kind of that noise that gets the fans excited more than the players excited playing each other? No, I, I think those guys are excellent for hockey because they could play the game and they're physical. Hockey is a physical sport. Let's not ever forget that. And the reason why Kachuk and Brady, they're so effective, is now with the way that they play and because there's less and less toughness, they have a field day out there. Because, you know, Brady's big. And people, like, back in the day, a guy like that, there'd be so many guys that, that would answer to him. But now, guys like that, like, because it's almost a rare breed, so when you get a guy like that that's physical and can score, he's going to have so much more room because teams are not built that way anymore. So guys like that that are rare, it makes their job much easier to, to, to perform and go to the net and do whatever they want to go after guys because they just can't answer them. And because Edmonton is pretty tough with Nurse that could mix it up and Cassie and a couple guys. Kachuk has guys that, that uh, you know, can answer the bell with him and stuff that might calm them down a bit. But most teams are not built that way uh, anymore. So that's why, uh, you know, he, every time Kachuk plays uh, many other teams, like he's having tons of fun out there. So, George, we- so that, you brought up a good point there, George. And we had Sean Brown on the podcast last week and he was talking about, uh, you know, the agitators and the pests who played their role really well but then they caused another player on their team to have to really answer the bell for them back in the day, of course, when it was a little bit tougher uh, with the fights. But do you, do you think that that was there ever a guy in your past where it was like, man, just, just stop it, cut it out because I don't want to have to go out and fight that guy later on in the game. Well, with me, uh, we're all being too, uh, I I don't want to sound (laughs) Oh, George, come on, be cocky. We know you're the toughest guy in the league by far. I I never said that I was. If you guys say so, thank you. I'll say it. I'll never self-proclaim myself. I'll I'll never self-proclaim myself anything, but there's one thing that I will say is that I I never was irritated by an agitator. Uh, I've seen some agitators that played, but they were pretty quiet when I played them against. (laughs) And when I played with some agitators on my team, they could agitate the hell that they wanted and nothing ever happened. So <laughs> it also depends who is there to extinguish the fire, you know? Yeah. And the fact that, you know, my friends, that's maybe was there. Uh, maybe some guys were like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll be an idiot against another team. I'll leave, well, George. So- I'll leave George alone tonight. And that's perfect because we have we have a clip. Tyler asked a great question of Sean uh, asking about the Battle of Alberta. And, and Sean had this to say about playing hockey with you. You know, thinking back to the Battle of Alberta when I played, but to be honest, when we played, I mean, George LaRock kept, kept guys pretty honest, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was nice playing on the Oilers, uh, you know, because when I got traded from the Oilers, um, you really understood and got to know the effect that George had uh, on each game, whether he fought or he didn't. 
George, I, where I want to go with that, like how much pride did you take just sort of being not maybe you didn't even have to be on the ice. As long as you were on the bench, you were that presence who in a way could sort of control the emotions of the game. Well, to be honest with you, I did not take any pride of it. I was just worried about not dying every time I got out there for a fight because, you know, the thing is, is when you look back now on your career and you realize the impact you've had, yeah, it was cool. But when I was doing it, I didn't think like that. When I was doing it, I wasn't like, oh, I'm making sure of everything because you worry about your own self because it's the toughest job in professional sport. In every game, you have, you have a guy that wants to make a name for himself, a guy that wants to kill me, a guy that wants to go with me. Is he going to go with me at the end of my shift? When, when are we going to go? First period, second, third. What's going to happen? Is he, what is he going to do? Uh, is he going to wait till I'm tired? Is he going to jump me? Is he, like, there's so many things that crosses your mind. So every time you, you worry about making sure that your team is respected, but at the same time winning. Because if a tough guy that gets beat us all the time, then you look like the elephant man and you need surgery when your career is done because you, your face is all fucked up. You're losing too much. The fan says that tough, we have to trade you. People taking liberty in your teams because they're not afraid of you. All those things comes to your mind. So that's why, like, I can't believe that I did this for 13 years because on top of all this, it wasn't me. It's not my personality. I was never a fighter. I hated it. I hated doing that. And I said it all my career that I didn't like it, but I did it because that's what got me in the NHL, got me to stay. But it was not me. So every time I had to do that, I had to play this role that I was this big, tough guy. But it wasn't me. So it's funny. So that's why, uh, you know, in the middle of my career, I would laugh when, when, when I was caught up with guys because I was like, why that guy is, is doing a weird face? Like, I didn't do anything. Like, you know, <laughs> you had a face off and the guy's in front of you and, hey, do you want to go? Okay, okay, good. And I would always say good luck. And then the guy right away is like, he's like, why is this? What have we done? We haven't done anything. We're doing it for the show. And sometimes after a while, when I, when I got better at, at doing this, just looking at guys' face that they did when I was caught up was making me laugh. And when I was laughing at them when they were doing those faces, they got more worried because it was like, why is Lorac laughing at me before the fight? <laughs> like, that, because that shows a, 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 a lot of confidence. And a fighting is 90% mental. And those little things, after a while, I, I got to see that it got guys even more worried because me, other than, you know, crisping my face and stuff, I'd be smiling, like, all, like, relaxed, like I'm in paradise in Bora Bora getting a massage and we're about to kill each other, right? So my approach was so much different than most of, the, most of the guys when I did this. And I guess that's what kept me sane for all those years because on top of that, I never took drugs. I didn't drink. You know, I didn't do steroids i didn't do any of that stuff to keep my body clean my body sane and uh yeah and that's why today even though i did this for so long i don't suffer any health effects from it and stuff and that to me i take more pride about the fact that i fought for two years in minors 13 years in the nhl and today i'm healthy i could do anything and uh, what i have to do for a living is not emptying my everyday life uh, that, that i'm that i'm living every day George, you're, you're, like you just described, your job was insanely tough. And I remember I was at some games at the old Coliseum when, when you would have to fight and the place would go bananas. The place just would go crazy for you. And I'm wondering, do you think you would have ever been able to do that job as well as you did if you had to play in a situation like right now where there are no fans in the building? 
Well, I played in Phoenix. If I played in Phoenix and I did the job there, I'm telling you, I'd be trained COVID, man, because I think you need COVID every day. That's what I had when I was playing there. <laughs> oh, man. That was good, Jeff. Uh, how oh, wow trying to go back i mean maybe going back to those phoenix days then like how tough is it as a player especially <laughs> for like yourself where you went from playing in crazy edmonton to like down there how is it hard to like create your own energy in games like that when you look out into the crowd and there's just not a buzz going on out there well actually you know you play in edmonton where there's a team that even though we're a small market team that didn't have all the money to compete with the big teams if we missed the playoff, it was by like a couple games. If we were always close. And then I go to Phoenix when there's nobody in the stands. And in December, we're out of the playoff. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we were gone. And guys were worrying more about going to play golf after practice than playing hockey itself. The mentality was totally different from playing in a hockey environment like Hamilton and then go to Phoenix. I was used to like fans that cared about their hockey teams and being there, painting their face. And the thing in Edmonton, which is awesome, and, and which I can compare to all the rest of the league, is that in Edmonton, it's true fans that pay money to be at the game. They scream their heart out. And after the game, they spent as much calories as the player playing because of how much they scream and the energy they bring to the game. When they go to other teams, like in Montreal and Toronto, you see guys sitting in the rest section in a suit. They don't say one word the entire game. They're on their cell phone. And when there's a goal, they look at the re- replay in the jumbotron because they're not even watching the game. There's no noise and no atmosphere, nothing. That's why the Oilers fans are the best in, in the NHL, because of that. Because they care about the team, they're there to cheer them on, and they bring it. And that's why, like, you know, look at... And, and, and again, I know the sound now is different because the way that... Uh, Rogers is built, but back then, man, in Rexall Place, the noise, how it was, we're the loudest fans in the league, um, and all the teams copied us. We did a national anthem with Paul Lario, the fan carried on the anthems, and then the team copied us after. Uh, we had the sound as loud as the Jets or whatever, the, the sound and stuff, and then people start measuring the sound of their fans because they did it first, so we had to copy them. We did everything, man. We had the best fans in, in the league, and the way the, build, the, the building was done, the sound, it was even crazier. I remember in 2006, before we go on the ice, listening to the fans cheering when in the Jumbotron they were playing the videos of Eminem song to pump you guys up. We had chills in the dressing room. The dressing room was vibrating. It, you could feel the vibrations of, of the fans. And that, we were all like Supermans in those home games. And when we were there, because we were invincible in the first 10 minutes of the game, in every playoff, because of the fans, we were like a crew ready to like just to destroy. It was unbelievable. I know now it's a bit different now. The way that battling and hockey has changed so much with physicality, fans are not, you know, when you go to the game, they're not as engaged as they used to be back then. Um, when we were there in the time that, you know, if you knew there'd be a fight or physicality or something happened and people will be showing up two hours before the game and you really hated it, the other teams and the way that it was. Now, everything changed. And I know society evolves. So, you know, in sport, it'll be the same thing again. But sometimes, man, I just miss those days because 
those days and stuff, those memories, I'll never forgive them and stuff. And when I hang, I hang out with former players, sometimes we talk about those moments all the time. And all those moments are cherished because how special the fans were back then. Let's, uh, I, want, I want to ask you a little bit more about that 06 Cup run since you brought it up. You mentioned, you know, sitting in the room, it's vibrating, the energy, all that. What's your, is there one memory from that 06 Cup run for you that stands sort of above the rest? Is there a top? Is that too, is that too hard of a question? You know, I feel so dumb that I brought up 06 because every time I brought it up, I bring it up. I'm like, you know, I, I, I feel bad that we didn't bring the cops to, to the fans that deserve this so much. All the energy that you guys have brought up. It was, it was the worst, my worst moment in the NHL to lose game seven. And you're a kid, you play in the street. You always dream of scoring the winning goal game seven, Stanley Cup final, not losing it. After everything we did with the city and stuff, we come back from 3-1 deficit. We couldn't win that game for you guys. Like, I'm sorry that we lost it. it man, I, it still haunts me to this day. I still haven't got over it. And the fact that, you know, the, the Kings, that's not even a hockey city, wins the cup. They don't even care about it. They win the cup and then they go celebrate the cup on the street in a parade and the city that... The people complained that they were making too much noise while they were parading with the cup. And the mayor said that he promised that if they ever win again, they're going to have to stay inside the ring to celebrate it. My God, when I heard that, I was like, if it would have been us, man, we'd still be doing the parade today. The parade right is now. still yeah, done. Right so looking at the wrong team that won it with Doug weight on that team. What are you doing, Dougie? You were my favorite captain with the others. <laughs> you were in the Carolina in her face. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. <laughs> man, that hurt so much. Oh, six, man. It's not how the dream was supposed to be. And to make it worse, we have a 10-year 10 10 year hangover after that of not making the playoff until we drafted Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? It took 10 years. So if we knew it was going to take 10 years to make the playoff again after this one, who would have won the cup? So at least you have a cup to sit on and say, oh, it's okay. We're rebuilding. We're not getting... We didn't win anything. 10 years without playoff. And then here we go. So yeah, it was. Uh, so that's why I shouldn't have brought six. I'm sorry, guys. I brought on myself. George, George I just want to say it I was lucky hurt. enough to go to a lot of those games in 2006, and don't ever apologize because that oh, was yeah. the yeah. time of my no, life. I'm always going to apologize. I went out every night. I was on White Ave. I was a part of it, and that was all because of you guys. So thank yeah, yeah, but look at yeah. the end. Look at the end. I'm so happy you didn't hang yourself, man. After all the parties you did, <laughs> never. But George, is we we like we when you when you speak honestly like that, it's it, it just it it reminds Oilers fans. I think we were talking about it before you came on. I don't think that there's an Oilers fan out there that was around for that time that wouldn't have you in their top three Oilers players of all time because because you went to the game, you went into every game playing your hardest. You 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 always had a smile on your face no matter what. And you always made Oiler fans feel like we were, we were a part of it. And, and, you know, hearing you speak about it now, like, I think, I, I think you have to remember too, that Oiler fans, we held on to that memory of 2006 oh, yeah. for our entire lives. And it wasn't, Held. yes, it wasn't the best end, Holding. but, but yeah, it, it's, it's still a, an absolutely special memory for us. You jumping into the glass is imprinted in my oh. brain right up there with, you know, Cassian going and engaging with that fan right after in the 2017 playoff run. Gretzky scored five goals. Guys, like it's all these memories. Hemsky goal. Do you, guys, do you guys know why I always jump on the glass after every goal? Tell us. 
because I didn't know how many goals I was going to score in the NHL. So I figured I'm going to I'm going to celebrate like it's my last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Good. I need to bring this up. Then I want to bring a better memory about then George on February 21st, a hat trick for you. The celebration, by the way, that third goal was an absolute beauty and the celebration was perfect. So if you could just walk us through the hat trick then let's, let's, yeah. let's do a better memory than 2006. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> first of all, before that, I was a pro at getting hat trick with my PlayStation. I was so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I never thought that, you know, in the NHL I would ever get one. Right. So, so still, uh, we're playing LA that game and I got two goals in that game and a fight because just so you know, I decided to baptize uh, uh, George Rock Hattrick is three goals and a fight. So, <laughs> goals and a fight. So, anyway, I get two goals that game, and uh, and uh, Kevin was the coach, and uh, we, uh, they're pulling the goalie. We're winning 4 3 uh, against Sally. There's a minute left, and the, the, the crowd, some of them are chanting my name to go out there for the empty netter, right? And Kevin looked at me in the back. He's like, Sorry, George, you've got to put the defensive unit out there which is Tom Marchand, Mike Greer. I don't remember who was the other guy that was there. Maybe Ethan Moran. But, but still, they put the defensive unit out there, and I'm like, man, that was my chance for you know, a hat trick. And, and I'm like, you know, it's still a good game. I'm home. I got two goals in a fight. I'm probably going to get a star. So, so I'm happy sitting on the bench. And then Yanni in my score in an empty netter. He's so happy. Are you kidding me? It's an empty netter. But still, it's 5-3. <laughs> 5-3, there's 20 seconds left in the game. And then he put us out there. So I didn't think that. With 20 seconds left in the game, when it's 5-3 and Stefan Fizek goes back in the net, I didn't think that I was going to get a chance to get a hatch. I didn't even think about it. I was like, there's 20 seconds left. We're finishing the game, and that's it. And then I, I don't remember what happened in the face-off, but the, the puck ends up in their end, and uh, Jim Dell makes me a pass, and Aki Bird's in front of me. I do a Denis Savard's Pinorama, which I don't know why I did that because I tried it many times after and I always lost the puck. <laughs> and anyway, I do a Spinorama with, with, in front of Aki Bird and then Fizez in front of me. And I'm like, how come I'm not facing the board? You know, the Spinorama <laughs> works. So I'm in front of Fizez, I do a backhand and I scored. When I scored, it was, it was not just because it was the hat trick, it's because what were the odds that with 20 seconds left, when I already think that the game is over, I was going to get it. That's why I went nuts. You know, you know when you talk about things that's like that happen, that, that happens for a reason? I skated faster than McDavid ever skated. He, <laughs> man. he wouldn't have beat me that how fast I skated from the goal to our bench. I, I was so excited, and I went nuts. And Because I was like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable It happened. And even the other fans that were there that day, they probably couldn't believe it because the goalie was back in. I didn't get a hat trick when an empty netter. The goalie was back in. The game was done. And then, man, it was awesome. The, you know, the, and, and when I scored back then before the WWE complained about the fact that we played this small of the Rockets cooking every time I fought or I scored, they played that after the third goal. And, People threw their hats on the ice, and I was looking at that, and and I just couldn't believe it. It was it was unbelievable to be able to do that in Edmonton in front of my fans, and uh, you know they pick up the garbage and of all the the, the the hats, and they give me the garbage bag of hats. Uh, I was with Power ninety two at the time because I was doing the lyrics by the rock on the radio, 
And uh, <laughs> Power 92 went in a parking lot with a big sign and people got to comment on my hat trick. And I still have it at home. The comments of hundreds of fans that was writing, congratulations on your Heidi, stuff like that. I still have it. Uh, obviously still have the park. And uh, it's funny because the hats in the garbage bag, they were in my closet for many years. And one time I moved and I was looking at what, what, what are those things in? So I opened the bag, man. I almost passed out. Like thousands of hats in a garbage bag. Oh, no. When you close it in and you open it, man, it's like dead man. So I threw those, I threw those hats away, but it reminded me obviously of, of that day that people threw the hats on the ice for me. So, so yeah, it was, it was amazing, man. I'll, I'll never forget about it. When I got into the dress room, I did so many interviews that two hours after the game, I was still fully dressed. Wayne called me, he said I needed 49 more uh, hat trick to break his record. Uh, <laughs> and I said, thanks, Gretz. And, uh, and, uh, and the next day I had back spasm because I kept my gear for so long, the hot and cold, that the next day I couldn't practice. So the guys well, were like, yeah, superstar, you scored two goals. And all <laughs> you takes practice. practice off. So everything that happened, it was so magical about that day, and I'll never forget it. And I'm glad it happened in Edmonton and in front of the fans. It's awesome. Well, Georges, I know, I, I think the guys have a couple more questions, but I, I just want to say, like, thank you for taking the time to do this. Every time we talk to you, I, I walk away from it feeling like I'm ready to go out on the ice and score a goal for the Oilers too. But, um, but I, I did want to ask, you know, the last time we had you on, it was almost a hundred episodes ago and things weren't looking so good. And you were able to kind of talk Oiler fans through it and talk us and get us excited for, for what was, you know, a lost season. But this year, how do you feel about the Oilers chances going forward? I just, I want to hear it from George's the rock. I'm going to step away from the microphone and let you do it. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Last year in a playoff, I was, de- I was depressed because last year when we played Chicago, it was the battle of the worst goalie. The goalies of both teams, they were like, I don't want to win this game. Please win it. The other goalies would say, no, you score another one. I want to lose. Come on. I want to lose. No, I want to lose. Last year in the playoff, why did we lose? Because of the goalies. We had no goalies in the playoff. That's why we lost to Chicago. We had no business losing this series. But what we have to understand is that the others cannot win 7-5 every game. It's not like back in the 80s when in those times. Hockey is different now. You need goaltending. So last year, I blamed the fact that we lost because we had no goaltending. And in the offseason, I was like, we need a goalie. And that's it. We're gonna win. That's, we're going. We're in the playoff. We're gonna be like really uh, a tough team to beat. In the offseason, we find out Clefbaum's gone for you know the year. Like, and it's not like our defenseman corps. Uh, uh, we have the luxury of losing a guy like that. And that's when you see that having a goalie is even more important, especially if you lose Clefbaum. So we're in a battle for Mark Strong, and I'm like, yes, we get Mark Strong, man. We're going to be a beatable. Fucking Calgary got it. <laughs> How was that happen? So I'm like, okay, who are we going to get now? Who are we going to get? They were talking about Martin in Ottawa. And I even told Bob Stoffer, I said, don't get Martin. Like, don't get him. Don't get him, man. He's terrible. He can't stop a beach ball anymore, man. He can't stop. In Pittsburgh, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. And then Ottawa got him, and look what happens. Look what happens in Ottawa. And they go, they, don't they regret signing him many years? 
Yep. And for, for all this contract, yeah, you could have signed in Montreal for uh, in Edmonton for for you guys. So I'm like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Nothing. We did nothing. So Smith is 50 years old. He's playing better. He's playing good now. He didn't play all year, but the last two games is good. Shout out against Montreal. That Montreal hasn't been playing good since uh, since Ottawa. So, but we'll see if Smith could keep it up. Do I think Koskinen and Smith could lead the Oilers to victory, to playoff, and anything? No. The Oilers they still need a goalie. Uh, could they bring the Oilers to make the playoff? Yes, because now there's more team that that will be in the playoff, and in uh, Canadian division. You know, I think the Oilers they could finish they, they could finish third. They're gonna they're gonna battle with Calgary for the third spot. And if Montreal keeps sliding, you never know. But you know, the guys they're gonna have to be really, really, really playing well defensively to help the goaltending because the weakness of the Oilers we all know it's in that everybody knows that. I'd be lying if I say, oh, the goaltending is awesome, the best tandem. They're gonna win the Jennings. And one of them is going to be nomination for the Vezina. Like, take out your blinders, man, if you think that. <laughs> like, that's why. So that's why at goalie's position, it's tough. So McDavid is unbelievable. So is Dreisaitl to produce the way that they are because they're checked every game, right? Everybody, like, you know, in the, like, the other game, Dreisaitl, McDavid, they, they stayed on the ice for the last six minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. They don't have enough support when they're alone on the ice, like, McDavid, can you play 40 minutes tonight? You know, <laughs> it's, so it's amazing what those guys are doing, but not, you know, the best supporting cast, obviously, forward. They're finding ways to, to, to get other guys to contribute, even though I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that Neil, uh, you know, is not helping so much with his contract. Um, I, I never thought that Luchik would be producing more than Neil now after the effect of that trade when Neil was on fire to start. But still, now when I look at all this and stuff, like I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty optimistic about the fact in the future that the others will be able to get a goalie. Because what we have to understand is that when you have a bad goalie, when it is a bad goal that goes in, what happens, it takes the life out of you. It takes the energy out of the guy. They're like, here we go again, deja vu all over again. And, and, and then they stop playing. And that's just physics. Like, you can't, you, even though you say, ah, oh, you're going to keep playing, got to keep playing. Well, man, it's because you're not an athlete. So, you know what it's like when you're pressing forever to try to score a goal and your goalie lets a, lets a beach ball get in. And you're like, oh, man. And it takes the energy out and it's so tough. And the guys, they have to compose with that all the time. So, hopefully, uh, uh, this year after the season, we find this number one goalie they always need uh, so much because. Okay, how about you guys answer me this question? Since Dwayne, Ro- Dwayne Rollison, tell me the best number one goalie I'm going have. Cam Talbot for that six-month run, probably. and that's probably yeah. it. Cam Talbot? When he led us in the playoffs, <laughs> that's probably it, right? Okay, well, listen. Do, do business listen career. Cam Talbot, the reason why you guys made the playoff this year, he had the best year in his career. He, he was co-MVP with McDavid. He played one year. He had one year like that. And after that year, we saw that he just played above. He, he, he played above what he could do. It, it was, he couldn't be any better than what you saw. It was the best year in his life. Yeah. And then he went downhill from there. That year, you're right, that he was amazing. But after that, and then 
it was perfect for him because again, you got the contract after that. And then after you got the contract, it's okay that you go like this after you're already getting paid. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dubnik had a couple of good years after he left here eventually. After he left, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After he left in, in Minnesota. But, you know, in Edmonton, we, we, need, a, we need a number one goalie, man. Yeah. If we do have one, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the entire team. 100%. Amen. George, I, I have to ask, since we have you here, obviously in October, Edmonton lost a legend in Joey Moss. And you played in Edmonton for a long time. And I was just hoping maybe you could share a Joey moment with us that maybe people may not have heard about or an interaction you had with him because he means so much in this city. And even months after he's gone, people are still talking about him. So Yeah, well, you know, with me and Joey, is the thing is, is that when you're a tough guy, right, like, um, you, you know, like, I've always played, I'm always jo- joyful with everyone and with him because he liked wrestling so much. I was fighting with him all the time. I would wrestle with him and, and he had a belt in the dressing room and we would always wrestle for the belt and he would win most of the time, but sometimes I would win it on purpose. So he'd get mad, get so upset at me. We did the ring with the guys around us and then we would just wrestle and pick him up and do things with him and stuff. And so I had so much fun with him in that way. And, and, and it was fun for me to do that also because the anxiety that fighting was giving me when I was having fun with Joey kind of got me to forget about fighting and the fact that I have to go with Bugard tonight and, and be more joyful with him. And every time I fought and I went back to the dress room, who was, and because when you fight uh, and whether you need jersey repairs or there's less than five minutes left and then you could go to the dress room and then go on the penalty bench, when I go back and all, all your teammates are on the bench and stuff and uh, you're alone in the dress room, who was sitting beside me, gave me a tap in the back, asked me if I was okay. Joey Moss. Joey Moss would come back with me. He was always there after every fight. Are you okay, brother? Are you okay? He was there all the time. And tough, since fighting was the toughest part of what I was doing, having him there all the time, whether it was to, to ask me if I was okay or whether it was just to play, and, to play fight and stuff. It, it was amazing. It was awesome. He was like a guardian angel that was there and stuff because my teammates weren't there. I was alone. And, and you know, sometimes at four minutes, could last with the timeouts like 10 minutes right before everybody gets in and you're sitting along like like resting your hands putting ice on it you whole body sore and you're just quitting you know all the guy comes in and says good job or whatever right but joy was there and that those moments with him and stuff were moments that i'll never forget George, we really appreciate you uh, giving us some time here today. And I, I think that's a good spot to end it remembering uh, Joey Moss. So uh, thanks for this. Enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, guys. And you don't have to wait 10 months if you want to have me again. Are you kidding me? 10 playoff months. time, right before <laughs> the playoffs. I'll do it. I was that bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the You're playoff hype episode with George LaRock. How about that? We'll talk to you in a few months. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, there you go. That is uh, George LaRock. Former Ooh, good question, Bag Milk. We went. We, yeah, that's a great way to end it, too, with his story about Joey. Um, and, yeah, we definitely will not wait very long to have George back. That gets you fired up. Before we keep going on here, I need to let you know that that interview was brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance Brokers. Cornerstoneins.ca is where you can find out a little bit more about them. Solid protection, sound advice, Cornerstone Insurance. He, fuck, man, he's just a, he's energy. Just, he's energy personified. That Love fucking story time line like about that. The, that fucking line about the Phoenix Coyotes, though. Oh. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't. Who asked that one? Did we tee him up on purpose there? 
No, because we've asked everybody that. So, so I was, well, this is what I was, yeah, this is my thinking. So this is what I, this is literally just to take you guys behind the scenes. This is what I had written down here. George, there's a theory out there that a player like Zach Cassian is having a, a tough time getting into the games because there's no fans in the building. So that was my thinking. That's where I was leading on. And since George, like I said, I was at so many games where he got everybody fired up as a kid. And I wondered if he could do that when there was nobody there. So to him, to have him just take a shot at, at the Coyotes was perfect. I tweeted the quote actually as he was talking and people are going bananas over it. So I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Once you hear that, hit us up with some feedback. ON Radio Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Unbelievable. It's it, like, I think, and again, I, you know, I mentioned it in the podcast, but like for all of us, George's top three favorite Oiler of all time. And like, to be able to sit here and talk with him for 30 minutes. And he's here. He is. He, he's apologizing to us because he didn't win a Stanley <laughs> cup. Like he, crazy. He's, he's, he can, insane. he can take you a step by step through his hat trick through his George, the Rock, George, the rock hat trick. And then again, you know, a great question by bag milk to get the Joey Moss. Cause you just, every time you hear these guys talk about Joey, I'm, I'm sad we didn't ask Sean Brown about that because every time you hear these guys talk about Joey, you just feel that like, that camaraderie and that team team perspective that that even if those guys didn't play together, they have that that connection with Joey and and it's it's yeah it's George is just the best. He's absolutely the best. And listen to him, you know, he wants to come back anytime to talk to us. So listen, if, if, these, guys gonna, if these guys are going to keep offering to come back, we're going to be I, number one in India right away. Oh. Yeah. Last time when we had Sean Brown on, we weren't even done the episode and he's calling Dan being like, all right, so next time I come on, here's what we're going to do. And it's like, fuck me, man. Yeah, if you guys want to keep coming on, be our guest. All right, so uh, George The Rock, featured guest on Oilers Nation Radio every Friday. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Again, I just want to thank George for the time. That was great. That was a lot of fun. It was illuminating. I love the way he tells stories. You know, talking about the spinorama in front of Fise, like he just he described it so beautifully and it's just still so vivid to him so i know we asked him i mean it's almost two years ago now dan when we spoke to him last but i know we asked him about the hat trick last time but i i had i couldn't i couldn't resist i had to we should just ask him about it every time we have him on. I just see if he ever he, he has he has a similar tinge. So I went back and listened to it. He does have a similar tinge. He talks about PlayStation before he starts talking about the uh, about the hat trick. But this time, goal. this time it was all in depth. Like it was way more in depth this time than than it has. So maybe he wants to replay or something. But amazing, just amazing. Love, every answer. I love it because he tells it like. He speaks like a fan. Like if you're telling a friend about it, you know how jacked up you get in your voice. And you yep. look at a lot of NHLers out there, and I'm assuming, oh, you know, they just kind of tell you a story, and it's not really monotone, but you know, there's a little bit of fluctuation in the voice and energy. But that man's sitting there, and he's coming close to the screen, he's coming back. <laughs> well, we gotta have the can, clip. You can just, you can, yeah, you can see it in him. You can just see it, and you can feel it in in his voice. He just loved that. That's kind of why the guy was uh, so popular here. He's, he's a blue-collar guy. He could be an Edmontonian, no problem. I love him. I love him. Even just, you know what, his analysis on the game was interesting and what it means to have goaltending that isn't as rock-solid as you want. I just, you know, I, I, I got to give... <laughs> isn't as rock-solid? That's a very nice way of putting it because he was not putting it that nicely. Well, I'm trying to be polite here, but... Uh, <laughs> I know. 
it, it was, it was, it was something to hear him say it, you know, and yeah. what goaltending means on the bench when they allow a softy or not. And um, it was fascinating. Um, we're going to do more recap on this in a sec for sure. But first I want to thank our friends at tourism Jasper. Uh, we got to give them some love. I have, uh, I had a buddy that was out at Marmot Basin last weekend, took his family out uh, for some outdoor activity. And they said the hill is beautiful. The snow's great. Uh, Jasper, everybody's doing a good job keeping everyone socially distanced out there. So if you're looking to get outside, uh, we're starting to warm up here a little bit. As Rick said, it's minus 20. Huh? I think it might be like 18 or 19 now. Whew, scorching. Uh, head on out to Jasper. 18. There's all kinds of activities to do outside. Make sure that you're enjoying some of our beautiful scenery in our national parks. For more information on what to do, go to travel or jasper.travel, I should say, jasper.travel. Find out everything they've got available in town to do outside and around the city. Well, boys, I just, I gotta, I gotta touch on George again for a sec. Um, it's funny. I, I just want to tell people a little bit about what it's like when we do these interviews. Um, before we started recording, we kind of were running through some questions to talk to George about. And I don't know how many of them we actually got to, but the 15, 20 minutes we had planned for him doubled <laughs> because the guy was so generous with his time. His answers are so eloquent and I, I love the way he describes things. And it, it's just fun to go kind of behind the scenes with a guy who's been there and done it, you know? Well, we all sit here, four of us as fans. It's not, you know, we're not interviewers. We're not, uh, you know, we're not professionals. And I, I think, I think in other interviews, we definitely have, we definitely have a better, uh, a better way of, you know, of doing that stuff. But like, you know, I, I can speak for myself and I'm sure you guys agree, but when you sit here and you listen to his answers, you're just like, I want to ask more. I want to ask more. I want to hear more because he's absolutely the best. The guy literally apologized to us for not winning a Stanley cup. Like I can't get over that. I'm just gushing over here. If anything, he could apologize to my liver because I punished it back then. Um, we were young. We were young. It was okay. But here's a couple of things that I didn't get to. On his, on his Twitter account, go follow George on Twitter. He talks about McDavid a lot. I want to know if he actually thinks he can get to 100 points in 56 games because he is leading that charge. I want to know what he thinks about a guy like Jujar, who, you know, he spent some time on the taxi squad, came back into the lineup and is looking really good. I want to know his take on being prepared to play when you don't necessarily play every night. I wanted to know about what the battle of Alberta means now that both teams are actually competitive again. So there's just so much that I wanted to get to with him that we didn't get a chance to. And uh, I can't wait to talk to him again. I can't wait to talk to him again. I hope people, I hope people enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy doing it. We do it for, for the listeners. And, and that's a reason why people want to come and talk to this is because because they do get to talk to Oilers fans and, and he, he truly does love Edmonton and he loves Oilers and he loves Oilers fans. So it's, it's, I hope people like really hear that and feel that. And I, I think they do. It's, uh, uh, despite what Dan just said, I do this all for myself. Fuck yeah. all. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Of course we love you. The listeners, please. While he brings that up, give us some feedback on Apple podcasts. I'm looking, there's no fresh reviews for me to read. Leave us some feedback, leave us some thoughts. Even if you don't like us, even if you think I'm an idiot and I talk too much, which I do, and it's true, let me know. I will read that. 
I will send the feedback to my dad. He will uh, be like, yes, I've been saying that your entire life. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> I, uh, I had someone today who texted into the radio station and said that I look like Count Chocula. Um, so maybe an idea for the reviews will be tell us which serial characters you think we all look the most like. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just let us know which cereal you prefer. I am yeah. a, this could be controversial. I am a plain Cheerios guy. It's about as boring cool. as it gets. Not even honey nut? But here's a question for you, Beg. Yeah, is it, is it just one bowl at a time or is it a couple of bowls? Well, it depends. It depends. If I'm feeling frisky, I'll go two or three. Like not okay. honey nut Cheerios, the, the, like the yellow box. The original yellow box wow. is plain Cheerios. That's my go-to. With milk. With milk. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I will enjoy some cinnamon toast crunch or something like that. But like if I'm just going to the store to buy one box of cereal, I am buying plain Cheerios. I was I crushing Golden Grams by the box. Cereal guy. Oh, amen. I love Golden Grams. Same with Corn Pops. I'll murder some Corn Pops right now. Grow, growing up, it was, it was cereal every single morning. And when I find something I like, I stick to it. So it was Golden I'd, Grams probably every morning for five, six, seven, eight years straight. I'm just guilty wow. of getting my parents to buy me cereal for the prizes within. That was my that was my shtick. I remember <laughs> back in the day, Tyler, back in the early '90s, sometimes you would buy a box of cereal and it would come in with a compact disc in it that offered oh. you free dial-up internet. Bro, okay, I thought you were gonna say like the ones who came with like the free roller coaster tycoon or like backyard well, baseball. Too. Those, yeah, are, I remember those. That too. Those were great. All right, let's get back to the Oilers here before we get to hot and cold performers. I know Tyler wants to wrap this up. He's yep. going to work on the DFO rundown <laughs> with Gregor and Sarah Bali. Check that out. Who's the guest today on that, by the way? Uh, Kevin Weeks was our guest today, uh, NHL Network. And if you uh, were reading the news, he was this close to getting that GM job in Pittsburgh. So uh, we chatted with him about uh, almost getting that gig, a little bit about uh, diversity in hockey and also what it's like being a young goaltender because Frank Saravalli's young one strapped on the pads for his game. I think his kid's like seven. And Frank told Kevin Weeks, quote, the whole time I was watching him saying, God, I really hope he doesn't like this. <laughs> well he's got to save some money on those pads too I yeah, exactly all right back to the Oilers boys real quick for hot and cold performers i want to, i got to talk about jujar i got to talk about jujar yep. he's been back in the lineup now for five games five points over those games two goals three assists tyler starting with you what are you seeing from jujar now that we weren't seeing from him earlier in the season well here's where i'll go with this and i've said this about jujar a lot in the past if he's moving his feet and he needs to play with fast wingers. If he has fast wingers who can get there first on the forecheck and create turnovers, that's good for Jujar because he's his best when he can use his body on the cycle, protect the puck, and keep plays alive. But when he starts skating hard, that's when the physicality in his own game starts to come out more and offensive chances and turnovers and all that stuff comes first from him moving his feet. So I've been seeing that recently. I love it. However... Right now, there's a lot of people saying, finally, Jujar has found his stride. He's an NHLer. And I'm not going to say that yet because every year it's yeah, he this. He gets, he gets scorching hot for five games. And you're going, yes, this is the Jujar we need. This is the bottom six piece that is going to make this Oilers top 12 complete. And then every year around the seventh, eighth game of his hot streak or of his good play, he falls off the cliff and he's back out of the lineup, and he's back in the minors. He's back to being healthy scratch. So my challenge to Jujar would be, not that I'm really in a position to be challenging Jujar, oh, he's um, fight him. <laughs> yep. but man, turn these solid five into a solid 10, and then turn a solid 10 into a sol solid 20. I'm not saying you need to be a point a game, 
but keep the consistent effort and the consistent chances up. And you're going to have yourself a long career in the NHL. But this is a great sign, but we've seen it before. I want to see more of it before I'm jumping to the let's re-sign him. He's an NHLer for life kind of thing. Rick, you and I have been uh, driving the Jujar bandwagon for a long time now. What are you seeing from him? Yeah, you know what? Tyler said it there. Yeah, he said it twice, actually. It's consistency. Um, you and I have said forever, you know, I, I love parts of this man's game. I think what he brings to, to the team, uh, we need. I think he's very good at what he can do. And for years, I said, I think he'd be a really good fourth liner or a decent third liner. Um, I know we kept trying to pump him up a couple of years ago to play with Connor when we need some help, something like that. But I think what he needs is consistency in minutes, in competition, in line mates, and then in his own, um, and I don't like to say effort, uh, but his own, it, just in the way he competes out there, he needs to come bring the same type of, of game he's bringing right now, which is a, a level of confidence too, right? So he's not fighting the puck. He's not worried about making mistakes in the defensive zone. He did, he coughed up the puck last night trying to get the puck out, I think in the second period, and didn't get it out, but the team was able to rally around and shut it down and get it out. Um, he, he's one of our best penalty killers. We need this man on the, on the team, and we need him playing as well as he is. And putting w- wingers with him that can skate and almost force him to skate, it kind of takes the, uh, the, the thinking out of it, right? You're, you're working too hard. You're wor- things are happening too fast. You, can't, you don't have an opportunity to overthink things. So I think it's helping him sl- uh, simplify his game, and this is exactly what we need right now. But you're right. We need to see um, a whole season of this, even if it's you know 85% of what we're actually seeing right now. That's still good enough for me. Personally, I think the fact that he hasn't shaved, and it's very obvious he hasn't shaved, is something to do with this. Last year, he had the, uh, the, the mustache from November. That's when his heater kicked in. I'm not saying facial hair is the main cause here, but I'm not not saying that either. Dan, wrap us up on Jujar real quick. Well, I think Rick kind of just touched on it there and, and said the word confidence. And that's to me, is where he just needs to maintain that confidence. And, you know, Tyler's right. It all it took was a couple of games where he didn't have the, you know, didn't have the same pop or didn't have the had a couple of mistakes here or there, and then it was over. And if he if he's able to just kind of ride the wave of, you know, the highs and the lows, uh, you're going to have a player there that could, you know, potentially replace Cassian in that kind of a role where, you know, he's that energy guy that can also pot you a couple and and be effective on the penalty kill. That's, you know, that's those are the things that you need to check with him. So maintain that confidence, keep the skating up, all that kind of stuff, but confidence is going to be the number one thing for me. In, right. in his defense, he did say last night that, you know, the first couple of games and then the subsequent time on the tox- taxi squad was like preseason for him, that, you know, he was trying to find mm-hmm. his game. And then when he came back from the, the taxi squad, uh, he really felt like that's when his season took off. His season started. And you know what? A lot of guys out there in that level needed training camp, needed preseason, and that's how they get their game up. So they're ready for, to go for game one. So I'm looking at his season starting post-taxi squad. And, yeah, so far it's, it's looking really good. All right, I'm going to make my way through the rest of my list here with one-word answers. Boys, this is one-word answers only. Evan Bouchard got his first of the season. A nice seeing eye wrister through traffic. He's that his shot is sneaky deceptive. So my one word answer on Evan Bouchard's first goal, deceptive. Tyler. I'm going to use two words. He's arrived. How dare you breaking the rules of my <laughs> segment. Dan, Evan Bouchard in one word. Growing. Rick. Needed much needed. That's two words. Damn it. <laughs> I was emphasizing. 
Sorry, <laughs> descriptor on there. Uh, real quick, just to wrap things up, some housekeeping. Jesse Pugliarvi got pulled out of the gate yesterday's game uh, due to an abundance of caution. It sounds like he had an inconclusive test in the morning, tested negative in the afternoon. So he needs to get a couple more negative tests under his belt before being allowed back into the lineup. First time this has affected the Oilers boys, really, in terms of a player getting pulled out on game day. Uh, again, one word answers only. <laughs> Concern about Pugliarvi. I say no. Tyler? No. Dan? Ill. Rick? I'll get to it in a minute. Nope. No concern you about said one fucking word. Uh, no concern about Pugliarvi here. I'm guessing, I'm actually hoping slash guessing he'll fine. be back in for uh, Winnipeg. Maybe? I don't know. He's I don't know fine. how this works. I'm not smart he's enough fine. to figure out. You talk to him? Fi- he's fine. All right. He can, he can be back by, he can be back in Edmonton and with the team on Saturday afternoon, I think. Yeah, he'll be at the earliest. So Rick, uh, allegedly, in my opinion, has spoken to Jesse Pugliarvi and he's doing fine. Uh, Not confirmed, but... (laughs) Unconfirmed, but allegedly, in my opinion, that did happen. Okay. Gentlemen, Tyler, get your your buttons ready. It is time to wrap this baby up with the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. Get on into any of the 14 Oodle Noodle locations for a curbside or takeout order, and they are donating a portion of all proceeds a portion of those proceeds to local charities and initiatives. So go get yourself something to eat. If you're out and about, stop in, grab yourself a hot box. It is a hot box kind of day today in the city and know that you're doing your part to help a great local charity or initiative. The charities rotate. Um, they're donating a lot of money. They've donated over a hundred thousand dollars already. It's been awesome to see. Started. So it's pretty amazing to see what's going on with our friends at Oodle Noodle. Again, curbside and takeout orders a portion of those proceeds will get donated to a local charity or initiative. If you want to learn more, oodle underscore noodle on Twitter, oodle noodlegram on Instagram or oodlenoodle.ca. As we do every week, boys, we start off with the cold performers. We start off with our veggies. I'm looking at Tyler Remchak first. He's on my screen up top. Tyler, your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. Uh, this one is a tough one for me to even talk about, but I'm going to say the number of layoffs uh, we've seen in, in the media industry and fucked. the, uh, yeah, it's just, it's fucked. It's shitty. It's weird for me to talk about. And I feel like a little bit of survivor's guilt because I mean, my radio station survived and three others didn't. And it just sucks for me to see the industry get, get chewed apart like this. And, and it sucks as a young person in this industry as well to sit there and go, fuck, what's going to be left in 10 to 12 years for me, right? So selfishly, it's hard to watch for my friends, Darren Bombing, Sean Woodley, Marshall Ferguson, John Abbott. I could go on and on and on with all the guys in these markets who no longer have radio stations to go to. Like, I I just feel for them, man. It it really, really sucks. And you always hear when you get started in in this line of work that, you know, it's a cruel industry. A lot of the times you're just a number on a spreadsheet. and And as soon as it doesn't make business sense, like you're done and you might love radio, but radio doesn't love you back. And uh, we got a great example of that this week. And, and it really like, I don't know, I could sit here and talk about it for 20 minutes. It just, uh, it just sucks to see what happened. What the hell is going on? Could have said it better myself, buddy. That is a tough, yep. it was tough news to read even. Um, a lot of, it's, it's just, yeah, tough is the only way to say it. Um, well, yeah, for a while, we're all, in the business and we're all in the business together, right? It's solidarity with everybody. Like it doesn't matter if it's your market or not. We all feel that pain because you're right. We're all, we're all people that have dreams and, and hopes and aspirations and you'd like to be able to do stuff with it. 
And like you, you sat there and I was sitting on Twitter. I was literally doing a show when I see the news that like, oh my God, like TSN Vancouver just went off the air. And then I was like, we're hearing like, oh, another one did. And another one did. And we were sitting there for a while being like, what's our meeting about today now? Like, are we about to get pulled <laughs> off too? Like it was fucked, man. That's tough. Rick, your oodle noodle cold form of the week. Uh, well, I guess I'll have to be the one that goes after that. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have successfully taken one of my favorite uh, voices off the air in hiring Brian Burke as, uh, to, to run their, their team. Uh, it was weird because you know, there was never any rumors about that. It just kind of just looked at your phone one day and bang, he was gone. I've really enjoyed Berkey on, on, on TV. I enjoyed him on the radio when he was on the Stoffer. Uh, those old, old school guys that, you know, some, some people don't like to hear them anymore. Some people don't like the way they talk, but I've always enjoyed it. I love those stories. And his, uh, his act is being a little bit of an asshole. Um, since the post-Anaheim uh, days, I've started to understand that it is a bit of a, a, bit of a show and you start to see who, who, who the real person is behind that. And I've really enjoyed the guy. So, yeah, getting him off the TV is a... Uh, it's going to be a down step in, uh, in Saturday nights. Mr. Nation Dan. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's the way that it was handled on social media. And I think that we've been lucky in the North division to not have to have experienced a lot of issues with COVID yet, knock on wood. Um, but just for everybody to just pump the brakes on the uh, the conjecture and the the making up stories, uh, when you hear the news about Jesse Pugliarvi being held out, and you hear the news about another player being held out, whatever, just just take it easy, relax. These guys deserve a little bit of privacy when it comes to having to deal with the deal with the tests and that kind of thing. But I just hope that people, uh, you know, on social media, just take a take a break from uh, from coming up with stuff that you haven't heard necessarily. You know, Jesse Pugliarvi being, I, I read. Multiple times yesterday that Jesse Pugliarvi tested positive. Not true. False. So the people that are false reporting, chill. You're my cold form of the week. They are just fucking ass right now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Uh, we That news came out yesterday as Tyler and I were recording real life that the game was pushed back. And I honestly thought that it was going to get canceled. Yep. I thought that we were going to be leading up to, you know, as 4.35, rolled around, I was just like we're gonna cancel this and then all of a sudden cost getting got pulled out too and you're just like hmm, all right this is one of those weird things go. where you know what sometimes we don't need to know every iota yeah. of information yeah but then they give it to us because you know they want everyone to know and then we get mad because we know because we don't really know the answer but they don't really have an answer yet so it's just funny it just you they nobody can win in this situation it's weird man rona times are weird uh just to wrap up my cold performer of the week i hate to do it so I got to add a qualifier to this. Miko Koskinen, I'm hanging this one on you, buddy, because right that Battle of Alberta game last weekend cannot happen. That was easily his worst game of the of of the season. He bounced back really, really nicely in his next start. I'm going to give him credit where credit is due. In fact, I went so far as to tweet. The Oilers only won that second game against Ottawa because Miko Koskinen was great. And the amount of people that were arguing with me, just it didn't make sense to me. I don't think they watched that game. But my point was, first battle of Alberta, that was a tough way to lose. So that specific night, cold performance. Of the week. <laughs> going to the positives in our lives now. We are going to reverse the order a little bit. Mr. Nation, Dan, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. 
Well, I was going to say uh, the the goaltending performances later in the week of both Mike, both Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, but I'm going to pivot and say it was George the Rock for that interview that we just did with him. Absolutely amazing. I know we all are just gushing about it and then had a blast. So yeah, George the Rock, my hot performer of the week. Yeah! Uh, Mr. Yeremchuk, your oodle noodle hot performer of the week. I'm going to give it to my boy Tyler Ennis, who at the beginning of the year yes. I boldly predicted would finish top five in Oilers scoring. And while <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, I will say this. Uh, it was very nice to see him get back into the lineup and show that he is still an NHLer and he still has plenty to give to this hockey team. He was fast on the forecheck. He showed his good offensive instincts. He scored a beauty goal. He made yep. a positive impact almost every single time he was on the ice. This guy should not come out of the lineup for the remainder of the season. And that is because of his play over the last seven days. So Josh Archibald, or sorry, Tyler Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> You're my hot Archibald too. Fuck it. They're what? both of my hot performers of the week. The big guy is smoking hot. Uh, just real quick. That Tyler Ennis goal. I thought he was going to take it wide and go around the net or something. Yeah. And then he did the beauty little toe drag toe and drag. caught Murray napping. Got Murray napping. I think that's a difference about this Oilers team too a little bit is he was not in the lineup. And then he came in and has the skill to do that, which is something that hasn't really been, uh, you know, an area of strength for this team over the years. Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Well, I could give it to the whole line, but I'm going to be more specific and give it to one specific gentleman. Um, Bag Milk, we've talked about him forever. But Jujar, Jujar. He's a tripod out there. He is. He, and he's and he's just he's just playing so well right now. He's doing everything right. He's got the speed. He's got the hands right now. Down low, he's extremely hard to knock off the puck. Um, he's great on the penalty kill. He's been keeping himself out of the penalty box. Like he's really just playing well for us in his spot. Um, just keep it up, man. But yeah, Jujar is definitely a hot performer right now for me. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I love that drop. Uh, just to wrap this up, my hot performer of the week. I was going to say Jujar, but I'm going to pivot. Um, I don't think anyone, myself included, listen. I threw a lot of shit at Mike Smith over the last couple of months, handful of months. He hurt himself, in my opinion, allegedly in my opinion, getting out of bed because he's an old timer these days. Hey, happened to me. Happened to me. I threw my back out once getting out of the shower. So I get it. I did not expect Mike Smith to come in and only have Adam Larson be the player who can beat him in his first two shots. Mike Smith two amazing games for his first two starts of the year. I know he's going to calm down from where he's at right now, but wow, we needed those wins and he provided this, the backstop, the backstopping to make it happen, including first of all, fucking Oilers with their, their breakaway per game is annoying me like crazy, but Mike Smith, he stood tall, stopped one last night. Again, I think that was a turning point in the night. Stopped one against Ottawa. Another turning point for me, Mike Smith, hot performer of the week. Put some respect on my name. Respect indeed. Respect indeed, Birdman. All right. We've run long. This was a long podcast today. Tyler's getting antsy. I don't like when wow, Tyler's we did. getting antsy. I actually didn't notice how long we went. So we are going to wrap this up, and I'm going to say thank you to everybody for listening. I'm going to say thank you to Sherwood Ford, Skip the Dishes, Tourism Jasper, and Oodle Noodle for making this possible. And I'm going to thank specifically and especially George LaRock for being so gracious with his time and just – 
you know, really keeping us entertained with his answers and insights. So thank you to everybody. I hope you enjoy the interview. Hit us up on social with some feedback. Let us know what you thought. Let us know your favorite part. Let George know that you love to hear him on the podcast. And with that, I'm going to bid you all adieu and say happy, happy Friday. Have a great weekend. This is episode 124 in the books. Weathers Nation Radio in your ear holes. Goodbye. Dodo <laughs> Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.